This is Anthony Pascal. And this is Lori Elster, and this is the All Access Star Trek podcast. Today, we're going to review Picard, episode 207, called Monsters. But first, there was a ton of stuff that happened at Mission Chicago, among other news, and Tony was there. So we're going to dig into that first. Um, Tony, can you do like a little overview of the whole thing? Well, after we were concerned that it was going to be kind of deadsville, I was pleasantly surprised that it wasn't. Um, especially over the two weekend days, it was quite full. Friday was a little light. I think that was because there was a lot of locals there over the weekend. Uh, Reed Pop, who run the convention, do a big convention in Chicago called C2E2, and which is why they chose Chicago. I think they have a you know a firm client base there, and um, it worked out really well. It was very professionally run. It's a little, you know, it's a little different than the events in Las Vegas. One thing I like, they, for the moderators, they have comedians and a, they have a DJ. It's, it's a little less nerdy, but a lot more lively. I did see a few people complaining about the comedians, saying that they felt that they were, there was one panel in particular that, that people were complaining about, saying the person was somewhat inappropriate. Yes, they're, you know, a little risque perhaps, but it was well within my bounds. But I can understand how it it perhaps wasn't for others. I like risque. <laughs> it, it ran smoothly. Um, I'm looking forward to next year, which is going to be in Seattle over Memorial Day weekend. Another town where they uh, run a convention, they run Emerald City Comic Con there. So I, you know, from what I understand, this was a better job that they did. They had a kind of a test run in 2016 with um, Mission New York. I think they sized this one appropriate. Yeah, New York was was too massive of a space. I mean, it's just it that place is the Javits is huge. So it took a very long time just to get from one place to the next. It was a good event, and I, I you know, I, I think Reed Pop did a good job. Let's start talking about Lower Decks. Almost everything we're going to talk about in the news section today came out of Mission Chicago over three days. So let's start with Lower Decks, uh, where they released a teaser trailer for season three. It was very teasy um, (laughs) because it was mostly VO over, you know, you didn't get to see any of the characters. And I mean, I don't know if this is a big deal, but because in January, I think when they announced like all the seasons that they were buying for the next couple of years, Paramount Plus said summer. And this just said like this year, 2022, I, I still suspect it's the show after Strange New Worlds. It seems almost certain, but uh, I had hoped they were going to go narrower and say August, but they went broader and said <laughs> this year. So, you know, from what I understand, it's still uh, they they can do it in August. But um, Paramount Plus has a ton of shows now. Yeah, I mean they have a ton of Star Trek shows and then a ton of other shows. So, it's yeah. Nuts. Um, but I noticed Peanut Hamper's coming back. Is she in the trailer? She's in the poster. Yeah, she's in the poster. Every season they do a teaser poster, and when you look at them, it's cl- there's a clear pattern. They're always matched to movie teaser poster. So this is like the Star Trek three teaser poster, except that it has peanut hampers. I was going to say, I don't remember peanut hamper (laughs) from the Star Trek three poster, but there is another Star Trek three connection, which is the teaser comes out and says they're going, there's going to be a moment where the lower deckers steal the Cerritos. Yeah. To, to save uh, captain captain. Yeah. So, um, but it'll be, you know, full of hijinks and fun. So that sounds good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. That um, panel looked like a lot of fun. They all showed up in costume, in uniform. This had been teased before. I remember someone, I, I'm not sure where this started, but I think someone asked Jack on Twitter or some. He's, it yes. came out where he said, yes, I'll do cosplay at Mission Chicago like a year ago. Yes, I remember that. And uh, they did it. It was not just Jack. It was Jerry O'Connell, Noah Wells, and Tawny. Eugene couldn't be there. He was like double booked for the weekend or something. But it was great. They all looked great. Um, the costumes were really well made. Um, and they had the whole thing, the boots, everything. And, and Jack had 
this amazing purple wig and the, the it was jam packed the room i don't know how many people fit in the room but it was wall-to-wall trekkies and well it's such a crowd-pleasing show you know but this was the first time they've done a live star trek convention since the show has been on the air they they did one before but it was before and people were kind of skeptical about the show and it was really i mean they were feeding off the energy mike mcmahon i've never seen him look so happy um so i it was a fun panel it was just a lot of joking around mike said he doesn't want to get into spoilers for season three there's going to be he said we're going to have a full trailer and then the season's going to come and you know let's not spoil things uh but he did let out a couple things they showed a clip so what they did it it it, in chicago um is during a lot of panels, they showed things that won't be released to the public, um, which I thought was pretty cool for people who went because it makes you feel like it's worth the ticket. Yeah, there's a reason to be there live. I think that's really cool. So they showed a clip of the Lower Deckers playing this Klingon version of Dungeons and Dragons. And uh, J.G. Hertzler voices the Dungeon Master. He's kind of a virtual <laughs> Dungeon Master as Martok. But it was explained that it was like a, a a Ferengi knockoff version of the game. It was it's it's hard to explain, but it was <laughs> it was fun. And Boimler, like when Boimler lost, he was relegated to becoming a dentist for some reason. It's it was, um, but it, it was good. So uh, you know they're not losing a step. You know they promised more cameos, more ships. I saw you said something about Boimler that we're going to find out some more of his backstory or sort his heritage i think was the word he said yeah i mean that was tawny brought this up i guess it was important to her my kind of dismissed it as not important but she seemed <laughs> to think it was it was cool and it's supposedly in the pilot and not the pilot but the premiere episode oh just a side note someone at some point brought a tom paris plate up to the stage for jack and he just he like hugged it like for five minutes it was Aww. adorable Anyway, um, I'm not sure how, I think this was serious, but someone asked about the Salamander Babies, and Mike said, yes, they're coming. So we're going to find out what happened to Tom Paris and Catherine Janeway's Salamander Babies. So, Well, it's about time. Yeah, I mean, I guess they're all grown up now, right? Mm-hmm. They should be. Tawny talked about how much she wants to do a musical episode. Mike, at least Mike indicated that they'll get what they want. I don't think a full musical episode, but they'll be able to do some singing, which sounds like fun. Yeah. I would even be all for a full musical episode for that show. So we've got pictures of all this. And if you go to trekmove.com, we're we're putting up recaps of all the panels with pictures. Um, And this one, the pictures are special because, you know, they're all in costume. Yeah, and also I will say, I'm um, looking on social media the whole time the con was going on. They were, you know, Jerry O'Connell would just stop and take pictures with people. Like everybody, they all seemed so willing to just, you know, be grabbed and photographed and be interacting with people. It looked pretty lovely. Will Wheaton had his own panel. The reason I'm mentioning it here is it doesn't sound like he's going to be in Picard season three with all the other folks from Next Generation. But he has a, this like very specific pitch that he laid out sort of on during his panel where he really wants to be Wesley in Lower Decks. And his whole thing is about how he's obsessed with impressing Mariner for some reason, but she dismisses him. But Boimler is obsessed with him. That sounds about right. And I talked to I talked to Mike McMahon later, and Mike's confirmed that yeah, they've talked, but nothing is, you know, don't you know he we wasn't saying and we're going to do it, but he's heard the pitch, so all right, <laughs> so we'll see we'll see what happens with that. So, and the show is a comedy, as everybody knows, but it was actually nominated for a Hugo Award for best dramatic presentation short form. Hugo's are very prestigious awards. They've been going on for 70 years and it's for the best in science fiction. They don't actually have categories for comedy and drama. It's all, you know, they, they have basically two awards, best TV show and best movie. That's what this is. Right. And, it, and so the episode is Wedge Dooge, the 
one that we thought was the best episode of last year of all Star Trek episodes from last year. And they're going up against the wheel of time for all mankind, arcane, the expanse and Loki. So that shows, you know, they're going up against the best of science fiction. And that's pretty amazing. I think that this animated and it's the only animated show on the list um, is going up against some pretty amazing shows. Well, they do some great storytelling, and honestly, this sort of ties into the way the industry is now in a phase of sort of reevaluating animated, the pay for people who work on animated shows and the way they view them because they're all fighting to get the same, to get equal pay because it is the same amount of work for the writers and the producers and all those people. Um, so this, this helps their case, I think. You know, Star Trek has been nominated for a lot of Hugos over the years. The last one was Discovery got one, but uh, the last time that they've won was the season finale of Next Generation. So, fingers crossed, though. Yeah, I mean, that's they've got some tough competition. <laughs> Indeed. But just, I mean, this is one of those things of just being nominated is an honor, and that sounds like a cliche, but it is kind of amazing that it was. Yeah, I agree. All right, so you also went to the Strange New Worlds panel. Before I talk about the panel, <laughs> the biggest, I mean, and this is, it's, it's, this is stupid, but the biggest news for Strange New Worlds that came out of Mission Chicago was there's this kind of pavilion, right? And the pavilion was surrounded by char- the character posters, which were released the week before. But there was a tiny difference with these character posters because when they were released, they just showed the character but didn't have the character names. These had the character names, but which are what you thought, you know, Una Chin Riley and, you know, Neota Christine Ura. Chapel. Yeah. And the, but then the Spock one was curious <laughs> because Spock had a first name. I and would like you to pronounce it. I will not. Um, <laughs> it's uh, Gizentite. It's not a. <laughs> It's got a lot of apostrophes in it. It's from a book. Mabenga also had a first name. So it's like the internet exploded over this notion. And, every, you know, we ran an article. Everyone ran articles. Spock's got a full first name, you know, breaking news, red alert. No, and, and debates and should, you know, like I know it was in a book, but do we really, should we hear it? Like all this, there was right, a I lot mean, the of. Neota came from a book. I get why they did it. It's almost like, because. They gave, you know, number one's got a full name now. Uhura's got a full name. Everyone gets a full name. And, and you uh, get a full name. And you get a full name. So I, I could see how maybe they felt, you know, and, and, and it makes sense for Mabenga to have a full name. Spock, you always thought, is like Cher, you know. it's you know, Well, because you know. all the Vulcans just have one name. Right. So, well, it could be that they have a name that we know, but then they have like a, a family, you know, like a kind of private name that they don't share with outsiders. Isn't that a Romulan thing? Yeah. So um, anyway, so that evening I get an email and I think, you know, people who, you know, run other um, sites got emails from Paramount basically saying, or literally saying (laughs) mistakes were made and our mistakes are made. We, they say we inadvertently displayed posters with Spock and Mabenga's names that were incorrect. Well, the, the key, the interesting thing they said was, while Spock and Mabenga do indeed have first names, they have yet to be revealed, which makes me think, so did you reveal them ahead of time and then you're taking them back and then you're going to reveal them again? Or are they different? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But this was, <laughs> it was quite the kerfuffle. I mean, and they went, so... I went back the next day. They replaced all the posters. And now it just says Spock and Mabenga. Everyone else is the same. And there were multiple versions of these posters. And they didn't use whiteout. They went out, printed new posters overnight. I'm sure someone was, you know, some intern or whatever was frantically running around Chicago making new po- getting the Or they people- had the two sets and someone put up the wrong set. Maybe, but they were huge posters. So I hope somebody you know. snagged one of the one of them i bet some people grabbed them no it's not you i mean it you well, couldn't too well, big it's not i guess it's possible if no one was around but there were security guys there and stuff so that would right. anyway we have an article about this uh we also have an article about what was on the inside of the pavilion with the props which look great we're they prob- look fantastic if you've ever seen one of the original series props up close 
they're amazing pieces of history, but they don't look that great because they were never meant to be seen that close. Right. Um, and these look amazing. And they look very much like the original series props, but just beautifully made and refined. And they look real and functional. And um, but definitely, you know, the, 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 the props from Discovery were always great and evoked the original series. These are basically the original series props, but just made as perfectly as you possibly could. Right. I mean, the Discovery ones I used to go play with all the time when we were doing After Trek because we had some of them on the set. So when I had a few minutes, I would go in and just play with the phaser and the tricorder and the communicator and take pictures. But it wasn't meant to be to look like original series stuff. They were meant to look TOS-like. Yeah, they evoked. yeah. Yeah. I mean, these aren't the same exact, you know, if you hold one up to the other, they aren't the same proportions, but they are the same designs, I guess is the best way to say it. But the, you know, the shapes are slightly different. The sizes are slightly different. Uh, There was this Vulcan necklace, which was interesting because it was a betrothal necklace. And there was, it was in a display between two costumes, one of Spock, one of a female Vulcan, which we believe is to bring. So another indication that something's happening between these two and it's serious. The Vulcans get it is what you're saying. There, there was the these cool little pins that looked kind of like challenge coins, if you know what those are, but they were smaller. I do they, not know what those are. Oh, well, if you visit uh, certain government facilities and ships, they give you little coins, um, you know, that would say USS Enterprise or wherever Ooh. you are. It's a military thing. Anyway, um, these were like that, but they were memorial pins for ships that have been lost. Um, and so it was just a bunch of ship names, including the Shenzhou and, but there was also one for discovery because from their point of view, from those discoveries lost. Yeah, it is a, yeah. And except certain people obviously know it's not, but yeah, but they did pinky swear. So they're not going to tell. Exactly. Exactly. There was a nice panel. Anson was there, uh, Rebecca, Ethan, Sully Rose Gooding is Uhura and one of the uh, co-showrunners, which is Henry Alonzo Myers was there. And again, they showed a clip. It was the first bridge scene. So we've seen some of this in those. Remember those character trailers where you see Pike come in? He says, he says hi to her. We see the whole scene. Now the curious thing is La'an Nunia Singh is the first officer in this scene. She introduces herself as a first officer as number one, so it's clear that in the pilot, at least for a while, Rebecca is not number one. She's did, or not on the ship or something. Yeah, she could just on. be, you know, away. Yeah. Right, like Anson after they ran the clips, like don't worry, <laughs> she's right still in the show. You know, because it might have confused people watching that, going, I don't know, where, you know, where's number one? You know, she's on the poster. So <laughs> we were told she'd be in the show. Yeah, yeah I know what. You mean. But it indicates that Lon Noonien Singh is a very senior, is senior kind of second officer, I guess, perhaps. Right. It was, you know, it was a good panel. Uh, a lot of stuff we've heard before. The show's going to be episodic. The co-showrunner said they're going to do all the Star Trek stuff, including time travel. No surprise. We speculated that's how think that's going to be involved with the Kirk storyline in season two. Right. Speaking of season two, they confirmed that this week, the week we are in now, they're shooting episode six. So they're going to be wrapping up maybe in a month and a half or so. So cool. So they'll have a lot of stuff ready to go. We've, I think we've seen some of this in the trailers, but Rebecca and Celia talked about how they get to choose which uniform they wear. So sometimes they wear the kind of what they refer to as the dress, the Starfleet dress, but it's not a dress uniform in the meaning for fancy occasions. It just has a kind of a flared tunic. I guess. And it's and more leggings. with, I think, leggings underneath, right? Right. But that they also sometimes just wear the pants and that they get to decide before, like they based on the script, which one they want to wear. I love that. I think that's great. I mean, early on when we saw the uniforms and we saw that there was the dress, I remember saying, oh, I'm sure that some of the women are going to be in pants. And I would bet that we'll see some men in the dress. 
Yes, there was no mention of that, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised. Yep, I'd put money on it. To the Picard panel, let's talk about the Picard panel. Because that had, I saw Michelle Hurd, Annie Worshing, Issa Briones, and Evan Evagora. This almost felt like a panel from last year. Uh, they kind of talked a lot about season one and developing their characters. They said, and later when they were asked about it, they made clear they're not allowed to, nor will they talk about season three. Well, we don't even know if any of those people are in season three. Oh, right. Because uh, Jerry Ryan wasn't there. And so. Right. She's the one we know for sure is in season three, but the rest of them we do not. I suspect Annie's not, Evan's not, and Issa's not. Um, yeah, that would be my guess as well. And I'm so, hoping Michelle Hurd is just because I like her so much. Yeah, she's a good bet. Maybe Santiago, possibly, you know, I think Patrick's in it. What do you think? Yeah, I think Patrick's in it. I just would love <laughs> to see the, the TNG gang comparing notes with Rafi and, and all talking about Picard. I just feel like that is there's a great opportunity there because uh, she has a very different relationship with him. You know, much they have a much more sort of casual relationship so um i'd be very interested to see some interaction that's true in fact that was brought up in this week's episode when his psychologist slash dad said even your friends call you captain except for her right right um as if captain is his first name i know but spock did that with kirk and it was said with love (laughs) have we talked about annie and what she was wearing yet no, we have not. I saw she had a crown on. And I saw her post that Will Wheaton was the one who told her she should be wearing a crown. A green sparkly crown. Yes. <laughs> so, for the Borg Queen. And she was wearing a, a classic Borg Queen t-shirt. Uh, the Al- <laughs> Alice Krieg. So she's way into it. She did her homework, but she talked about how she's made it her own because the Borg Queen's different, especially the way she starts. Um, but she's right. But def- she said she watched all the Borg Queen episodes of Next Generation and Voyager, and she watched First Contact. There was a good thing about all of them talking about how wonderful Jonathan Frakes is, and then another section where they talked about uh, Sir Patrick Stewart. And what, what's funny is they when they talk about Patrick Stewart, they inadvertently b- break into their own personal versions of his um, voice. Uh, Annie did it. Isa did it. It's 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 funny. Like they they they're not like doing it to perform. They just kind of do it. I and... think the same <laughs> thing happens with Kate Mulgrew and the Voyager gang. Yeah, <laughs> but it shows a camaraderie. Um, there were some really nice stories from all of them about you know one of the things Isa said was how he he you know he went to her first audition because it was so important to him to get this show right for the fans, and he's you know, constantly bringing up the fans and how we need to do this for the fans. So um, I think that's nice. Yeah. And and pretty rare to be there for the audition. Well, she was a serious actor. She was in Hamilton. I mean, she wasn't just some rando off the street. No, I know. I I don't think he was there for all the (laughs) casting calls. Yeah. But still a lot of actors don't do that. I mean, he's a producer on the show too, but that is, it's, it's not that common. Yeah. Let's move on to Prodigy. Another fun panel. One of the great things about this panel was uh, there were kids there. There were some kids asking some great questions. There one kid was kind of slightly belligerent, but he was like, "What's up with Jankum Pog? Why is you know is he really a kid? Because he's got facial hair, which I thought is a good point, right? Yeah. Uh, Dan Hagemans, one of the co-creators, uh, said uh, that Tellarites grow hair when they are two years old. So, and then, <laughs> that's canon now. Yeah, I, well, I tweeted that to him and to Aaron Watke, who's the sh- other showrunner. And Aaron's like, "Yep, that's that's canon now." So there we go. One kid really loves Murph. Every, every kid who went up said Murph is their favorite. Of course, that's so funny. One demanded, if, if and for good reason, a Murph plushie. Like, why isn't there Murph plushie available? Yeah, I mean, I personally am lobbying for the Rock Talk one. But I want a stuffed animal rock talk. And for sure there should be Murph ones. It makes no sense that they don't exist yet. Now, Dan did say that we're going to learn more about Murph in the next 10 episodes. And he described we're going to see a metamorphosis, which is something we've 
talked about before that Burf may be, we may be seeing like a, you know, a larval phase that there may be a new Murph, like Murph may become something different perhaps, or right. maybe, maybe just gets bigger. Who knows? Maybe because he's going to become something different. They've been afraid to make the plushies. <laughs> <laughs> they showed a clip like they did with the other ones. This one showed a recording of Admiral Janeway and Chakotay as Chakotay was heading off on his mission on the protostar and they did hug they make out they didn't make out but they did hug and then and then hologram janeway enters because she's watching it as a recording so there were like two janeways in one uh clip uh so it was very exciting unfortunately they haven't released it but um I expect this show's not going to show up until October, so we're not going to see a trailer for a little while, I don't think. I'm in some pretty serious prodigy withdrawal. I really miss that show. The, the Also, in the photos that I saw on social, was that these guys who run the show were walking around, talking to fans, stopping and chatting with them, taking pictures. I saw so many photos of those guys and people saying they just had wonderful conversations with them. So I think they were just really soaking it all up. I had a nice chat with, with them and they are just couldn't be more enthused and, you know, really dedicated to the show. Dan did reveal that they've written up to episode 40, which is the full order they've gotten from Paramount. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of production to happen, but they're done writing two 20 episode seasons. They promised more canon characters. So, you know, everything is looking good for Prodigy except for the wait. Yeah. Well, you know what they say. The waiting is the hardest part. At the convention, they did a kind of soft announcement of a Prodigy video game, which is going to be called Supernova. It's going to be on PC, Xbox, uh, PS4, and Switch. There were posters for it, but there wasn't like a panel. We got sent a press release, which basically said, yes, it exists, and we'll tell you more about it in May. And that's basically it. Well, this might finally be a Star Trek game that I can play because I'm not interested in shooters and battles and things like that. So this might be my speed. Well, they did say the game is aimed at kids. So, you know. So perfect for me. (laughs) I only play video games that are for kids. Yeah. Hey, Mario Kart (laughs) is a lot of fun. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then there was a disco discovery panel. There was. They know nothing about season five. They've seen nothing. Um, Doug hasn't shaved his head, so it's still, you know, a ways away. Uh, the panel was nice. You know, there was some sweet moments. Ken Mitchell was there, you know, talking about how important it was for him to represent, you know, the ALS uh, community. He has these funny pre-recorded things because he can no longer talk, but he was still quite entertaining. David Ajala went to the audience at this one point because some a guy said that. His storyline in season four about the loss of his family and his planet was helped this guy with the loss of his father. And that was really sweet that Ajala went out and he like genuinely gave this guy a hug. He seems like a really nice guy. I knew I liked David Ajala. (laughs) Just another reason for you to be in love with him. Yep, I can swoon all (laughs) over again because he's emotional and compassionate too. But that's, you know, basically it for Discovery. It was, you know, one of those things where you kind of had to be there, but there was no real news out of the panel, but it was nice. Right. We did get a little bit of news about that elusive show. So the Section 31 show. This had nothing to do with Mission Chicago, actually. Right. This wasn't an Ethicon. This was just a separate. And it was like a tiny, like a tiny little snippet of a something. Well, I think this is the first time we've heard a description of the show. And it's not really a description, more of a tone. Um, so Michelle Yeoh has an interview in Entertainment Weekly. and Well, she's got the biggest movie in the country right now, right? The everything, what is it called? Everything, everything everywhere. everywhere, all at once. Yeah. I'm dying to see it. I just don't have time right now, but I'm dying to see it. Yeah, it's a lot of great buzz. Um and it's a multiverse adventure because that everyone loves a good multiverse these days, right? Folks, if you haven't seen it, it's a magnificent trailer. It's so good. So I highly recommend seeing the trailer and I'm really looking forward to seeing the movie. So she's still hoping to get back into Star Trek and she describes the show saying Section 31 
is the Star Trek universe, but different. It's like Mission Impossible meets Guardians of the Galaxy in space. Which, All right. you know, although Guardians of the Galaxy is already in space, but you know, say, it's okay. I mean, I've always liked the idea of this being a kind of spy procedural Mission Impossible thing. And if that could be because the whole idea of doing these different Star Trek shows is to give each their own little thing. So, and it also said, if you mentioned Guardian of the Galaxy, that sounds like a little lighter because when someone hears section 31, they think dark evil, you know, right? Like the idea, the original idea was like, it does the, they do the dirty work. Yeah. Right. And so if they're moving a little bit, I mean, I know it's just one sentence that she said in an interview, but if they were moving a little bit away from dirty work into just sort of undercover work, I would find that more appealing. Yeah. Covert Starfleet team that does things and has fun along the way. And just the word guardians makes you think, oh, Carl. Um, right. <laughs> even though there's no indication that Paul Guilfoyle wants to sign up for a, another TV show in Toronto. Probably not, to be perfectly honest, but it well, would be great. Toronto's nice. Just saying. Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> if you guys remember back in January, whenever there was a event and a Paramount executives were dropping big hints that like, oh, you know, there's going to be news about this soon. And Deadline was reporting how the Section 31 shows just ready to go. And, you know, they're just the, 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 the pen is hovering over the dotted line. Now that they've announced that it's over for Picard with season three, I mean, we kind of knew that was coming, but they've like said, yep, it's done. It's over. And that would be presumably 2023. That means that if they want to keep, you know, constant Star Trek on Paramount Plus, which, you know, we're not sure they do want five shows at a time. But if they do, they've got to announce another show so that they can get something in production next year so that it could be on the air or on the stream in 2024. So maybe, maybe it's happening. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we should talk a little bit about this new, it's called Stormfall for Star Trek Online. And so it's a new chapter and it's going to involve, it's got an interesting group of actors because it's got Kate Mulgrew as Admiral Janeway. It's got Chase Masterson as Admiral Lita and then Dorian Rebel played by Noah Averbach-Katz in the voicing. And um, they're facing off with Terran forces led by Captain Kelly, Mary Wiseman which I'm just happy to hear that she is still involved in Star Trek things because I'm a little nervous. You know, she was just on a podcast talking about her new play and the guy tried to get her to talk about Discovery. And the way the way she described it was, I'm, I don't know what I'm allowed to say, which, you know, so yeah. it well, sounds like there's something to not talk about. You know what I mean? Right. Like it, if if she is or isn't allowed to say something, then that means there's something she shouldn't talk about. Right. That... But we don't know if it's she shouldn't talk about that she's involved or she shouldn't talk about <laughs> that she's not involved. Well, but if so... she if, if she was fired or she quit and it was over, you know, it would be different. This is more there's something happening. We just don't know what she's still involved in the franchise. Right. The real big question is, is she back on Discovery? Is she leading up? Is she leading a Starfleet Academy show? Those, I think that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. Which could be, I would not be surprised if an Academy show jumped the line, just like Strange New Worlds and gets announced ahead of Section 31. Yeah, I wouldn't either. All right. Apparently there was an episode of Star Trek that came out this week, by the way. Yeah, really? Amidst all of this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there was it's called monsters so here let's let's start our review i have a lot of things going through my mind about this episode so here's my general thought on the on this episode which is it was you know it's another mixed bag it's another mid-season kind of wheels spinning episode where after it's done you're like you go what just happened like did we learn anything? Have we moved things forward? There was, there's always a, a, a good moment here, a funny thing there, a great performance by this actor or that actor, maybe some fun new tech. But what was this episode about? Like, why does it get said? I'm going to say it felt a little self-indulgent. And Patrick Stewart gave this interview this week where he's like, I'm putting more of myself into the show. I think this was his episode to work out some of his issues 
And that's what this episode was about more than anything, more than about Star Trek Picard. This episode was about Patrick Stewart. Right. And, and one of the things that I found difficult about this episode is that I just really wanted to know what was happening with Agnes and the Borg Queen. <laughs> and there was very little of that. And, you know, we've been waiting on this. We knew there was a big reveal coming with Picard's childhood. I think we all saw this particular reveal coming, specifically with his mother, which is that we knew, okay, so she had mental health issues and he was probably remembering things wrong. Um, and the revelation we got was his father being not the villain that he assumed he was. I'm okay because I've said don't you don't need to give everyone something to do in every episode so yes the agnes queen storyline is the most interesting storyline from this season but we should let rios and seven and rafi have things to do have character development and most importantly be actually involved in the plot yes Um, which yes they were for the most part in this episode, they were doing things that was moving the story forward and they were having character development. So this was for the most part, a good episode for all of them, except that Rios, I think they, they're just doing some weird, weird things with Rios. I I don't think. think they, they, I feel like they don't have a grasp on who he is and what he wants and what they want to do with him. So, The fact that he took this insane risk of just let's show I'm going to show you my ship and I'm going to tell you everything just because he likes her versus, you know, obviously there are very specific comparisons to the voyage home, including specific dialogue. Um, And that's cute that they want to do that. But Kirk had a really good reason for involving Jillian and telling her the truth there was a mission that he needed to accomplish and she was the only one really who could help. Well, his whole character seems to be about her now. Like that's his whole life. Rios, yeah. He's all, he's just about her. I thought it was sort of a crazy thing for him to do. It just seemed nuts. Like, what is he doing? It was a little curious how the 25th century Starfleet captain hands a 21st century clinic owner, a piece of high tech technology and says, fix him. Right. And, like, and also, the, all she had to do was kind of hold it near him anyway. So he right. could have that that whole I mean, I saw so many people talking about that, too. <laughs> like I felt I was in my notes. Why? Why is why did he just hand it to her? That yeah. seems crazy. So yeah, like, what if she pushed the button that melted his brain? I mean, it's just, you know, we it just but, you know, it wanted to it showed his trust in her and. Yeah, I've been saying eventually he's going to have to reveal something. This is the moment he, they had to reveal their technology to save his life. I was okay with that. Him taking her to the ship for zero reason and the kid for zero reason, except, hey, check out my spaceship. Yeah, that just, I don't know. Same. I, I totally understood why he had the equipment beamed down. So I just, I feel like they just have, there's a point at which they have something they want to do. And if it doesn't make sense, they just don't care. You know, he doesn't seem to be affected by his whole ordeal with ice. So what was the point of all that? And he doesn't seem to be concerned about the Stargazer and about his crew. It's just all about her. He's not even that concerned about Agnes, who he used to be involved with. Yeah. He's very disconnected. I mean, it's funny because this is, you know, they used to do this, not Star Trek specifically, but there used to be female roles, women who only existed in their relation to their romance. And I feel like that's what they're doing with him right now, except he had this weird mention of daddy issues that seemed a little bit random. Although I will say he has great chemistry with the actress playing Teresa. And I really did. I was yelling kiss her at one point. And he does have good chemistry with the kid and uh, the, the drawing on the wall. So his his storyline is like, it's nice. Um, I <laughs> it see is. where they're going, but it's but it's like, is this guy a Starfleet officer anymore or just some kind of smitten guy? Yeah. Um, and I think the story where they handled the kind of the romance and the mission better was the Rafi and Seven storyline where they were kind of not a bickering couple they were they were just kind of cute together and but they were on mission they were working together and getting things done and tracking down queen agnes they were i mean i liked some of their banter i thought i didn't like 
one thing they keep doing with Rafi that I'd like them to stop doing is that she's often derailing things, you know, like seven's trying to figure something out and she's talking about coffee. And so, cause she said, you didn't drink your cup. It was like one of those commercials. Like he never has a second cup at home. Um, <laughs> but I would like to see Rafi doing more stuff as well and actually contributing, but it was nice to see them taking some action and discovering some important information. Yeah, the thing about, Agnes breaking the window. I'm not to release endorphins. I, I didn't get that, but whatever. That at least, as you say, at least there's a logic to it. As I was watching that scene, not of her breaking it, but of them try, discovering it, I I kept thinking there's a there was a great missed opportunity, which is I would have had them go into the bar and talk to either you know either Patrick Stewart's wife who was in there playing with the band. Or that guy who was like looking at her and have someone say, yeah, she smashed the glass and then she got, she just seemed so happy, you know, something like that, rather than tapping into a security cam, which is what I assume they did. Yeah. Which I, you know, sure, there are security cams everywhere. But that would have, to me, been more effective than, and then, you know, and someone could have said, yeah, that happened to me once when I smashed, I don't know, I felt like better than seven just picking up a bottle. And throwing it and saying, oh, I felt an endorphin. But (laughs) Let's get back to the main show. Let's inception into Picard's brain and see what's going on with him. First of all, I love that Jamie Callis is in the show. I think he's a fantastic actor and I'm a huge fan of Battlestar Galactica. I've never seen him in anything. (laughs) I've never even heard of him. All the people listening are like, what is wrong with her? I'm never listening to this podcast again, but I've seriously never seen him in any. So, but he was great. He was good playing Maurice, Picard's father. I mean, you knew immediately in that opening scene where, first of all, he's, he's wearing kind of a weird version of a mid 24th century uniform. So it's not the, where they left from, not the Stargazer era uniforms. So you knew something weird was going on here. What did you think when you first saw him? I mean, I knew that we were in Picard's head. So I knew that he had created something for a catalyst, a way for him to dig into these issues. So I just assumed, and I thought, you know, when you have a dream, then you don't stop and say, what am I doing here? Like you just go with it. And that was what he was doing. Like it was his reality for that moment. So we, what we, I have a couple things to say about this whole sequence. So, I mean, I like the stuff of him running with his mom and, and sort of getting a sense of what his relationship was with her. But the big questions for me is the one, where's his brother who we know should be around and who is such a big part of his childhood and his story. So that's question one. And then the second one for me is what mental illness does she have in that century where there's nothing they can do for her and she's locked in a room because we know that by Kirk's time, they had found cures for pretty much almost every kind of mental illness. Yeah. This does seem, this seemed like this wasn't even modern with today. There's still a inexplicably, by the way, they've been leading up to the, we're going to find out what's going on with mom episode. And somehow at the end of this, when uh, Kid Picard pulls out the key and Mom is still behind the door, and Talon goes, "Oh, there's more to it," and then boink, they pull us out. And I'm like, "Seriously, you're actually going to keep this going? Like, this was the episode where you were going to do all that?" And no, they're you know so. Maybe- and Talon felt the same way you do. She was like, <laughs> "Dude, you're supposed to think about this stuff," and he's like, "Oh, I'm moving on." And she's like, "No, you're supposed to be thinking about it." So I think, I mean, because yes, if if it is that she's bipolar and therefore had to be locked away, that's like, really? So I think there might be something more to it that is yet to be revealed behind that door in one of the remaining three episodes. I mean, there has to be, I think, simply because of that conversation where she said he wants you to think about these things and Picard isn't interested. You know, the, the big revelation to Picard for this obviously was that his father wasn't a monster. It's it's hard to imagine why he would believe that because that kid wasn't that young. But for, for whatever reason, he thought his father abused his mother. And it sounds like his father was doing his best to protect him. I mean, it was kind of subtle, but the, 
when he remembered it correctly, he gets trapped in the tunnels, which you said we're going to come back. And the mother runs off. And if the father didn't find young Picard, he possibly could have died because they, the, the, it was raining. And therefore one would imagine the tunnels flood and you could have drowned. Right. Yeah. It's so funny because I totally missed that. And this is, I read your review and I went drowning. Wait, what's this about drown? There's no drowning. What are you talking about? And then I went back and watched it with captions that scene because I told I watched the episode three times and did not get the drowning thing. Yeah, well, he never used the D word, but he basically they talked about how you could die a thousand ways down right. there or whatever. So the whole point was dad saved him, mom endangered him, therefore mom had to go away. That's the only logic. Right. That makes any sense. You don't remove a mother from a child unless she's endangering that child. Right. And that was the danger is that she abandoned him in the tunnels. He almost died. Dad saved him. But in his mind, dad was monster. Mom was good guy. And now things are turned around. Now it's like, hey, we should chat. We should get to know each other, except apparently he's dead. So it's a little too late for that. Right. Um, but uh, so I think that was good. I like how- I'm going to do a tinfoil hat. OK. Ready? Sure. I'm going to say Jean-Luc had the same mental illness hmm. and was somehow treated or cured. How about Isn't that? It? That's a possibility. So he's actually behind the door. So he's behind the door. He had the same thing and then something happened to save him that didn't save her, which is also maybe his understanding of Renee, which I still found a little <laughs> surface level, also had to do with him understanding it in a deeper way because it's also him just throwing that out there but how does that work because there's a thing i liked because the whole point of this was to understand more about the character jean-luc picard who we know through seasons of movies and talon looks at the little boy crying at the door and says use this this feeling will save civilizations your pain will manifest in the future into making you a great man. His mother says that, right? No, no. Talon says that to him. Well, no, his mother also says something similar early, but that he's going to be a prince and he's going to save people. Yeah. But there's a moment where at the end, before he pulls out the key where he's crying at the door and Talon is there with him. And Talon is saying to the young boy that, this feeling will, you know, that he will use this pain and do great things. Right. But there was also the whole, what is the darkness that you don't want people to see question. Right. So that goes back to tinfoil hat. Anyway, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but it's just a theory. But so, so Picard comes out of this and just starts making these big leaps where it, cause we're still, we still don't know how this is all tied to Q, but he suddenly goes, okay, now that I'm done with that, I'm going to capture Q. And I, right. I just, I'm not sure how he got there. Because and are why we he's supposed not... to understand how this is all related to his trial? Right. So, and also why he's not more concerned about the Borg Queen on the loose. I would have been a little more concerned about that. Um, he's, oh, is that like, oh, that's what's happening to Agnes. Oh, he seemed very interested. <laughs> and then he moved on. But. <laughs> But yes, he suddenly did. Well, in a way, I was glad because I do feel like, okay, I'm going to go back for a second. When I binged season one of Picard after I'd seen the whole thing, I liked it better because actually knowing the story made the scenes more interesting. And I feel like we're in that same phase now where I just want to know what Q is up to. It's not going to take away. I don't need a mystery. Tell me what Q is up to and then deal with it. So I felt the same way. I was like, yeah, let's get, okay, time to talk to Q. Let's figure out what the hell's going on. Yeah. It was great to see young Guinan back and she's mellowed out a bit, which I liked. Still, you know, still tough, but not as jaded and cynical. She's been infected by a little bit of Picard optimism. Exactly. So she's more snarky. So she's moving up the scale, (laughs) as it were. What did you think of the whole... So, you know, because we've always said there's something going on between the Elarians and the Q, and this went kind of a long way into explaining their backstory. Yeah, I mean, I was interested in the Cold War backstory. I was, 
I definitely felt like the whole way that she summoned him was more Harry Potter than Star Trek. Yeah, it was, there was, it was. Like we captured a moment in a bottle that she happens to have with her. <laughs> I don't know. There were a lot of issues there. Yeah, like but, why but... would she have it? Like what should right. it be in a museum back on their home planet, not on some random dive bar? Um... And then she had to drink it and make this crazy scream, all that. But if I remove myself a little bit from that and look at the bigger view of the Q and the Alorians, I got very interested in what their relationship is and what power the Alorians might have that would make the Q even care about them. I mean, the Q just started caring about humans. The Alorians were refugees from the Borg, so they can't be that powerful. I think maybe they're just immune to the Q for some reason. Yeah, I mean, Guinan, Whoopi Goldberg Guinan was never afraid of him. Yeah. Like she, she was, she didn't want him on the ship because she was nervous about what he would do, but she didn't seem af- afraid for herself. Yeah, but but it's it's probably all defensive, but not defensive enough to protect them from the Borg. So, right. um, you know, so, so it's something unique in their relationship. I did like how young Guinan used the jazz hands. Right. Uh, and so the, the actress who plays her was on the ready room and said that that came from her, that she'd watched all the episodes and then just kept watching Next Generation. She said once she started, she couldn't stop. And she just watched a ton of Next Generation. And then she said she, on set, she said, what if she was so fascinated by the gesture that she, she said, what if that's how Guinan senses the cue? So she's the one who chose to bring that back. Right. To detect whether Jay Carnes, the actor, um, was a cue or not. Right. Because I, I thought for sure when the guy was coming down the stairs, I'm like, oh, this must be another cue. I was hoping for Corbett Burnson. Uh, <laughs> I'm determined to see him show up because it's not LA. John De- not John Delancey's son. No, <laughs> but come on, LA law, you know, Corbett Burnson, you know, it all ties together. He was always a cue. Yeah. So no. So I, I mean, I, I, I liked that whole scene in the bar. It got a little weird at the end with the FBI and Jay Carnes. People are obsessed by the way, with the fact that Jay Carnes did play a time traveler on Voyager and everyone's trying to put those pieces together. I think the only piece, in fact, I know for a fact, the I was going to say, we know the answer to this one <laughs> is Jay Carnes worked with Terry Metalis on 12 monkeys. And, you know, the director from this episode was from 12 monkeys. Um, there's another actor I think was from 12 monkeys, uh, he's been putting his pals into the show all season long. And well, J- uh, Jamie Callis was on 12. Months. So this has nothing to do with Voyager. You know, it's as if some, you know, cause think of how many characters Vaughn Armstrong has played. I they was going to say, this all goes back to the original series. Like they use the same actors in completely different roles. Yeah. It's just that he was a time traveler and, you know, so hopefully, you know, cause I'm all for a conspiracy and a connection and everything, but, Unfortunately, there's no dots to connect here. It's one actor playing two roles, and that's the end of it. Yep. Um, he was so. really good, too, I thought. Yeah, he's a good actor. Um, I like him. Yeah. I knew he was up to no good before they did. Oh, yeah. It was obvious he yeah. had... That's why I thought he was a Q, because he kind of... He was acting like he knew more than... You know, yes. he wasn't just some random guy. He had a one. confidence. Exactly. You know, so I guess he's like the Fox Mulder uh because he <laughs> is the guy who tracks down you know because you know does the fbi have a because div- what's wrong with beaming into an alley you know is it illegal like why were they arrested what were what crime did patrick stewart well commit? that's the question so if an alien showed up because you would know from the beaming then would would the government come and grab them i think uh, yes well why is it the fbi shouldn't it be ice Right? They're illegal aliens. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, undocumented. They are undocumented extraterrestrials. Yeah. Um, I'm well, a legal yeah. alien, so there you go. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, right. I don't know why they, I guess we'll find out next week how the arrest is going to go. <laughs> yeah, indeed. I think, I mean, obviously there's something more to this character. Well, now they're just in big trouble because they've just completely messed up this, you know, talk about butterflies. Like we got two problems. We got a board queen on the loose 
trying to start a new hive. And we have Picard captured after he's been spotted beaming down. Well, this gets to the, if their objective is to reset the timeline. I mean, what's funny is Renee was mentioned in passing, like, oh, everything's fine with Renee. Yeah, she's done. (laughs) So it's like nothing happened in this episode, really. You know, Renee is fine. She's still going off on her mission. So, you know. What what are we doing all episode? We're all you know they're causing more trouble. They should just leave at this point. You know they're they're really just right. well. They have know, to get Agnes back. That's the big thing. They yeah. Well, do. they got to get her away from assimilating Los Angeles. Um, right. But they're and getting in their all of Earth. Yeah. Yeah. They're getting in their own way. Now, one thing we did learn this episode finally is why Talon looks just like Laris. And um, I mean, because when when she puts on the little thing and her ear was pointed, I'm like, okay, now they're just messing with us. Yeah. You know, and so I'm glad that she if they didn't reveal that she was a Romulan this episode, I was going to that was going to go on my list of gripes because it's like, come on, guys. You know, so they actually resolved a mystery. It's yet another person with a strong family bloodline. She's an ancestor. And which, to that. be fair, is a bit of a is a TV trope as well as a Star Trek trope. Like that happens all the time on TV right. shows. It's just that this season has three ancestor lookalikes so I know. far. But I was going to say, like, even on the Brady Bunch, they did that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, uh, William Shatner played his brother with the mustache. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> You know, so it's 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 fine. It's fine. Um, right. I mean, I don't. It's a little frustrating, but it's it's standard TV stuff, so it's fine. I was more interested in why she didn't go with Picard to see Guinan, and I felt like, as I often feel when I watch this episode, that there were things that just got cut. Like as you know, as someone who's a writer and who's worked on TV shows, also. Um, not big fun TV shows like this, but there's, you know, it's like sometimes you're sitting in the edit room and someone says, no, you have to, you have to lose another 30 seconds. And you just think, I can't, I can't. And you have to cut something. And I felt like that's, there were things I wanted to see, like what's Talon doing? Which, why did she leave? Why are they not together anymore? I was very curious about that. Well, this was explained, but not in this episode. They don't like each other. They hate each other or, you know, the Talon and, Guinan are definitely not friends. And so, yeah, it makes sense that he wouldn't bring her along because it would have only caused problems. Wait, how did I miss that? Why are they not friends? You remember when we took Picard to the park? Oh, right, right, right. And they had that argument. I forgot all about that. All right. Well, well, thank you for that. There we go. So (laughs) so something did make sense. There we go. Right. There's someone, uh, Trev, who listens to our show and often DMs me about it. Um, was saying that you are the voice of reason because I said, oh, I'm going to record with Tony and he'll calm me down with all my rants. And he described you as the voice of reason. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, I mean, I, you know, we could go on and on about this episode, but it is what it is, which is a term I hate. <laughs> you know, it it had some good stuff. I like the Guinan stuff. I did like the Seven and Rafi stuff. I thought the Picard stuff was a bit self-indulgent and didn't resolve itself, which was kind of my biggest frustration because they've been kind of teasing it all season. And it's like, just, just finish it and let's move on. And I think this all adds up to the fact that something that I think we've all kind of come to realize, which is they didn't really have a 10 episode arc and they are kind of throwing random things out there. I'm starting to feel like, think back to the first two episodes. It's like, they could have spent, they could have turned those first two episodes into four episodes and well, turned the last six. And let's assume we're going to be in LA for six episodes or for eight episodes. They could have turned that into six. You know, I mean, they kind of rushed their way to get to LA. And I think they're overstaying their welcome. I would agree. So I think, and also in those first few episodes, everybody had something, everybody, they didn't just have something to do. Like here's, you know, throwing, throwing them a bone. They were all in important positions. Like when they found themselves in the bad timeline where everything was terrible, like they all had important, I mean, seven was the president. Like Rafi was some kind of head of security. Um, Elnor was a rebel. Like everybody had a role that, that, was essential and mattered and was a piece of the puzzle. And when you look at the heist episode, even though they didn't heist anything, um, (laughs) you know, that was another opportunity to do that where 
everybody should have had a specific area of responsibility that played to their strengths, not just as people, but as officers. And so they're not doing that. And so I, th- I think that's part of the problem. And then it's, I think they're dragging things out too much. So I agree with you there. And I think that the mystery idea they have to, this is a mistake because it's, you don't have anything to attach things to sometimes. And I feel like it wouldn't be terrible if we knew some more information. We would still want to see how it plays out. We would still want to see them try to solve the problem. But having it all spelled out and clear at this point, I think would be an improvement. I absolutely agree. And I'm thinking back to Star Trek Four, and you think, oh, that's a time travel movie. But the whole first act is sci-fi space stuff Mm -hmm. and they get back onto the ship at least pretty quickly into the third act even though they kind of remain flying around san francisco and they have to steal the whales and stuff like that but the you know i think they're just uh this episode's going to be like 80 percent la and Mm -hmm. that's just a little i mean we're guessing you know we don't know maybe the season you mean the season yeah that because Akiva kind of said that's they're kind of here to stay, I assume, until the last episode, because season three, we know, is going to be back in the future on some right. new ship. So I, I, I'm hoping maybe the last episode we get back into the future. Maybe there's only two more episodes in L.A., but it's like it's time to wrap things up in L.A., get Renee on that ship and get out of town. Let's hope that happens soon. Yeah, I'm really ready for that. <laughs> I would like it to happen. And I would and I and I even feel like within where they are, I keep seeing opportunities that they could have had to do something more fun than I think what they ended up with. I can't help it. I keep re, I'm rewriting scenes in my head saying, oh, I would have rather have seen this. But yeah. I'm I'm trying to focus on the positives as much as I can. Good. Yeah, I do wish it was a little easier, but there are good moments. There are things I really loved when the kid goes on the ship and says, I'm going to go touch everything. Like, <laughs> that was funny. So there there are still good moments sprinkled throughout, good acting throughout. It just needs to be tightened up in some places and expanded in others. Hopefully he doesn't vaporize half of France. I um, know, he shouldn't go touch everything. <laughs> Well, especially now that it's all infected with nanoprobes and God knows what. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. It'll be little little boy Borg. He'll be adorable. <laughs> so cute. All right. So let's wrap things up with our Star Trek bits of the week. What have you got? Well, I'm going to go back to Mission Chicago. One of the great things about these conventions is that spontaneous things can happen. And one of the... So after the... Lower Decks panel, a, a little while after, Tawny Newsom came back out, no longer in uniform, and joined the band. There's a band called Five Year Mission, who are an original series-themed band, and they do a lot of these conventions. And they'd fill in the space between panels, and she joined them for an amazing rendition of the Talking Heads song, Psycho Killer. And we've got a <laughs> video of that on the site. And uh, I saw part of it because um, it was like wasn't announced. You know, someone said, oh, you know, Tanya Newsom's on stage, you know, with the band. Apparently she was in a Talking Heads cover band. <laughs> That's so it. many, so many facets to Tanya Newsom. She's an yeah. amazing person. She's really fascinating. So what do you got? So I have the thing that the whole internet, the Star Trek internet is going bonkers for this. So there's a company, an animation company called Gazelle Automations, and they do puppetry and miniatures and different things. But they made this incredible video where they took the scene where Picard is getting abducted um, in Best of Both Worlds, where he's getting abducted by the Borg, and they did it in perfect animation style of the animated series from the 70s, down to the music and the types of shots and every it's so beautifully perfectly done i feel like there's every second of it is hilarious and wonderful if you've seen the animated series they had certain things they just relied on over and over again and it's it's so brilliant and we have an interview with them on the site and the part that shocked me the most was that they said it took them about a week <laughs> like this looks to me like months of work yeah, it's it's pretty impressive. 
and just little details like the way people would run and move <laughs> yes is like there's a shot of Riker running with his arms pumping and it's just exactly you know if you've watched the animated series you, you'll just immediately get it um so it's only it's just a couple minutes long but it's it's amazing and uh, everyone loves it so right like great idea and flawless execution i think it's fantastic maybe they'll do more so uh check out our interview with that guy on the site justin um, lee is his name and it, his wife was involved in it too right yes yes yeah. They're both big fans of the animated series, he said. So it's it's pretty cool. <laughs> and he says he was pretty surprised by the response, but I don't know why he would have been, because maybe you just don't realize your own work is brilliant, but <laughs> really it's fantastic. So that's it for another episode of All Access Star Trek. We'll be back next week to review episode eight of season two of Star Trek Picard. See you then.